Hello and welcome to Indie Apocalypse Radio, a show that has been gone I've done it before in my entire life, and I feel like I don't remember how to do this show. Welcome once again. I think I found it. I think I found my footing. I think I'm. It feels like I have had a week off. I don't know why it feels like I've had a week off, but it feels like I've had a week off. But obviously, I have not, or else I would have remembered. But anyway, my mindset aside. We are here with our first guest, who you may know from issue 13 of Indie Apocalypse with the game PM of Black Lavender, Phoebe. Phoebe, hello. Hi, how are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Okay. Um, so, I was supposed to just talk about it. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm just asking how you are. Hello. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. But uh, no, we, uh, you could talk about it. We could talk about this. We would start off with this um, question we have here from a guest from our previous episode, which is, what is the thing that brings you joy when you run into it while playing a game? Wait, can you repeat? What is the thing that while you're playing a game, it could be any kind of game, but what is like a specific type of thing when you run into it while you're playing a game that you, what was the exact phrasing? Brings you joy. <laughs> that brings me joy. Yeah. Um, uh, let me think. Okay. I will give you time to think. It could be anything. It could be like, it could be a sound effect. It could be. A certain kind of character. It could be anything. I just think for like most of the game I play, I just think it's the feeling of um, like the thrill you get when you are uh, doing something with an unknown ending. So basically, you're you're doing something in the game, but you don't know what's the outcome going to be. But you're just still gonna try your best okay. to do it. So the mysterious, the feeling that you don't know what is to come, and that that I, I think that kind of feeling is what I enjoy the most. Right. Um, also, I I think the maybe the satisfaction um, when you accomplish a certain goal in the game. Uh, it makes me feel kind of like I achieved something great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like the opposite of like a, I guess you would say like a very safe triple A method of like, um, I know I'm going to collect, I'm known I'm going to climb up to this tower and I'm going to see all these little side quests appear and then I'm going to do them and I'm going to get experience points and I know the end game I'm working towards. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, it's also, I, I like the things that are unknown. I think that's what's the most interesting uh, about gaming. Okay. Uh, and about, about your game, not about your game exactly right now, but let's step one step backward, which is how did you find Indiepocalypse? I thought... <laughs> Do you remember? Okay, so the, <laughs> the thing is... After we uh, posted our game, we released our game on 
Um, Samsung. <laughs> I forget the platform. Okay, after we released the the game on Switch, um, uh, Adrian was just like, "Yo, you wanna participate in all these game jams?" I was like, "Sure." And then <laughs> right. he was just randomly like posting our game in various game jams, and that's when we came across. Um, this one, and yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before this, I didn't. I I did not know about this at all. No, that's. I mean, that's the common case, and that's why I have to find out how people figured it out, how people found it. And I will never know unless <laughs> I ask them. And the, the most often answer is, oh, I just clicked on random game jams on itch, and it was there, which. I guess if I wasn't hosting this as like a fake game jam on inch, I don't know what I would possibly ever do and how <laughs> anyone would ever find it. But, but about your game. So you, you didn't make it for a game jam. Did you just, was this just a game made out of the passion to make a game or was this for like a project other, like another project you had? So we, uh, this, uh, I was, I just graduated from New York University. Um, the so when I was starting, when I started making this, um, we were trying to like make it as the senior project, okay. but we also wanted to like extend it. So I don't want it to just end. Yeah. After. Just like that, just I don't want it to be just for that class. It was kind of it, it was our it was the project that we always wanted to do, yeah. but just never had a chance because we were really busy with other things. And suddenly, I had time um, that I could dedicate to something that I really loved, and that's why we really wanted to make this work. Well, perfect because now <laughs> I was. It came as, I think it was a rather early submission, if I remember correctly, at least in, in my context of a world, you know, but also I was very much glad that it came out because I, I there are there are real ebbs and flows with the zine in terms of like the kind of games that are submitted. So it was nice to have something like abstract once in a while when sometimes it's a lot of... Um, this is a game for mobile that you made like a mobile game where you tap on things and there's a puzzle and it has like the mobile game buttons, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 you can go if you had something. Okay. So I was going to say, um, because I, we didn't expect it to be, so we released it on itch because it's definitely something like you have to interact with. But the, yeah. uh, when we first started making it, we didn't really like consider it as just a game. We just we first made it as, and I think I have it on my um, description as interactive artwork. Yeah. So yeah. I knew I it was something that is like not common sense game, and that's why in a lot of other game jams we participated and we got really low score and they were like i don't know what this is about like it's a really weird game i don't yeah. know and 
Um, yeah, but it's not really a game. It's like I made it not like just as a game. So, yeah. yeah, I'm glad that, I, I don't know, like, people actually appreciate yeah. it. And, no, yeah, yeah you, found you, know. the, you found the right audience in submitting there. Um, yes, I'm, <laughs> like, a perfect test audience for, like, something that would, I, I think even in my requirements, I say I use the term game very loosely in terms of what is submitted to this. Yeah. And, I, and I want people to submit just kind of, like, I want people to get abstract and kind of, like, test the boundaries of what they what interacting with a game even means or something, you know? And like, mm -hmm. it doesn't need to have objectives or buttons or if you can win or there's something someone submitted I think is very cool. I don't want to say, wait, you know what? I guess it comes out for free. So they, they, someone submitted something that's like a choose your own adventure game, but it's like built on a bunch of different ZX Spectrum tapes so it'll be like you play it and then you say like you pick different tapes and i guess if you were if it was actually on the zx you'd be like taking out your different tapes and plugging them in over and over again mm -hmm. but i think it's very cool i think that kind of just kind of like alternative play like input styles and alternative play styles are very like creates an interesting dynamic and i think i they're also completely unmarketable <laughs> nobody wants to buy them <laughs> yeah so i guess you're like if this is an nyu project i guess you're getting closer to that point of like because there were no game design schools for a very long time or even game design courses and now you're getting closer to the point where you're coming out of it as a game design art graduate and you're like i just made art that is not profitable and how do I translate these skills into Phoebe? How do you plan to translate your skills into creating like boxes for Ubisoft or something? Um, oh, I guess like I what think, did you, like what? Yeah. What kind of major do you get? Like, is it, did you just go under like a general game design major, or was like a specialization? Um. So my major actually just sounds really not um. Artistic, I'd yeah. say, because on my like diploma, it just says I graduated from the School of Engineering and in okay. major of Integrated Digital Media. Yeah. So, um, it's not. A, this is a very new major. Um, right. We also have an. Uh, it's a Bachelor of Science. We also have a really similar major in another school, Tisch, but that one is Bachelor of Arts. So. Yeah. My, I think my major focused more on the technical aspects of okay. the digital media, and it's very general. So there was no such like it was not like a game design major. So it right. was just like digital media in general, and so that's why even though I chose uh, my uh, the medium as kind of like a game or like an inter like it's more like interactive media, so it kind of fits like my major and right. yeah okay yeah and cause... besides this uh, yeah i um i also like um do things with other sorts of media i okay. guess so not only like just uh, you know programming games but also like um just photography or like 
um, film, stuff like that. That's what our courses are very, okay. very um, diversified. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and like, and those are also like interactive within the spaces, like the, like interactive, like film and photography in a way, or like the end result, it creates an interactive art piece. Yeah. I'd say because I think this major kind of gives you a lot of freedom. Like you can focus on whatever yeah. kind of visual media that you really uh, like. So probably people who graduate from this major can go into very different fields. So maybe you can go into film, like traditional film, or like me, I, I don't really like um, that. I just want to do something with interactive media. So that's why I focus on this part. Now, how does, now I, games make sense to some extent because you can just host them digitally, but like, how, how does it feel with, you know, graduating to an interactive art degree into like 2020 where presumably a lot of the rest of the stuff is done like requires like physical locations to some extent i'd imagine at least yeah um i think i feel like i i feel like physical oh my god i don't even okay so i think the major this is a very special time in terms of right. that um yes a lot of things are done physically but i think 2020 is very special because a lot of things are transitioning to the digital yeah space right. because you know COVID. right so <laughs> i guess it kind of helps for, for people it, it kind of helps me yeah okay yeah well, i, yeah. I, I I guess because like the internet's the great equalizer because you don't have to like worry about competing for or paying for gallery space at that point because the internet is, yeah. is it's not free but it's a lot cheaper. Yeah, exactly. So, I you know. So, have you done any sort of like? Have you tried any like? Uh, I guess what do you call them, like digital galleries or digital interactive spaces or that kind of thing? Uh. Not have I tried or like have I made any or have I like experienced? Yeah, any? I guess I guess both. Like have or either. Okay, so yeah, I've not. I actually before like suddenly with the idea of PM, I wanted to do like kind of like a like a virtual reality gallery. Yeah. Um, kind of stuff. So like that's what I really wanted to do, but that was too difficult so I kind of give, give up and but I'm really interested in that kind of stuff but I'm I haven't tried making it yeah. but I've definitely um experienced things like that because everyone's just sort of like trying just sort of like swinging for like well what can I do what is my solution to this thing that does not have a solution and seeing everyone's like different approaches to everything, I found fascinating over like the past year. Mm -hmm. Seeing how people can like find their own way to adapt. Yeah. If they can manage to adapt at all, or it's just like everyone's a Twitch streamer now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, definitely, like, it's hard because it's changing very rapidly 
yeah. and now like things are changing very rapidly right now so like i think a lot of my friends who graduated at the same time with me or like graduated half uh, six months earlier than me like it's really difficult them for them to find to find like any jobs it's it's kind of awkward to find jobs because right. companies don't kind of, they don't need people right now so um after i graduated i just kind of tried to look for jobs that will make me go further into like what i'm really interested in so like interactive stuff like games yeah other media and yeah i'm currently working in riot so i'm doing an internship in riot okay and yeah i guess that's exactly what i would like so i'm quite happy and satisfied okay. and lucky yeah. that sounds yeah. like of places to land that's how you could find a lot worse places to land a lot uncertain companies yeah. you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> instead in like one of the biggest game companies in the world yeah. Especially because, like, I feel like they're, they're like now they are just like, what is, we've spent we've spent like whatever, a long time doing one thing, and now I feel like they've decided to do a million other things since then. Like in the yeah. past year. Yeah. They're just like, so I mean, who knows what like they'll do? Like. 2023 cannot wait for their movie, their film studio to create their own cinematic <laughs> universe. <laughs> this whole... <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, that's a plus. I think like, you know, fucking getting an internship is, is something within the games industry because every other job requires you to have industry experience. And how do you get it otherwise? Within uh, yeah. the internship being the one position that presumably doesn't require industry experience, but you know, I haven't looked at every every you know internship listing. I'm sure some there's some miserable one where like our internship requires yeah, like, three years of experience shipping shipping three AAA yeah. titles for our internship unpaid. But I'll be glad to have the exposure and not have my game in the credits or something. It's like, it's very difficult because I personally, I actually personally like really like Blizzard, but like I applied to their internship and for like, I don't know, two years. Yeah. Like every year I kind of applied to their internship and they just rejected me. And they have really high standards for like students who are still at school and they want them to be like, oh, I like very high skill level at certain software or like <laughs> coding language and i'm just like how like, <laughs> <Right>. yeah <laughs> well they're like, expecting <laughs> we're literally people who just who are like still studying and we have no job like how you expect us to have to be on like i don't right. know like <laughs> expert level professional <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, the secret, Phoebe, is to um, have spent to be like a, a like a thirty-five to forty-year-old in college, so you already have fifteen years of C plus plus experience from other jobs. That's true. And that's your trick. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Problem is, you went to school too early. Yeah. 
You didn't like start coding as a child. That was your mistake. You didn't just dedicate your entire life to working for the company. Maybe, maybe in ten years you can go back to graduate school and then get that Blizzard internship. Yes, With maybe. Your, having shipped your AAA titles at that point, and then like, oh sure, now I'll let you. What is <laughs> so? What is like an in, what is it be? What does an intern do? I guess is that just like a very like ent, is it just like the equivalent of an entry level position? Yeah, it's very so. It's basically like these companies. They don't want to spend money on hiring people anymore. Right. They just like hire interns who can do like some tasks that are not that difficult to do. And so it sounds like they're like trying to train you and prepare you for a brighter future. But in reality, they just want to save money. So you just go in there and then you do you work long hours. You try to do all the tedious stuff. For okay. them. So it is and still... that's kind of it. So basically, yeah, what I thought was like, you're basically a personal assistant. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, exactly. So it sounds like, like, it sounds like your, your title is something like, I don't know, like a game design intern, but no, you're basically a personal assistant to another person. And right. yeah, you, you just manage all the tasks. Yeah, it's just a man. It's it's a way to get you to be able to talk to a lot of people, which I guess is more difficult now, you know, because it's like it, it shuts down the number of people you can talk to where traditionally you could have been just like I'm in an office now and now I can get all these people to like me, so they'll hire me later. Yeah. Instead, you are like luckily like maybe you'll get into a big Zoom meeting that has a lot of people, and then I don't know. How to, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how you do that like that equivalent of like rubbing elbows with people that you know are above your station so to speak in order to get like your good yeah. name out there in the digital space where people only talk to who they want to talk to now yes i think it's much more difficult but for me though like i kind of i i'm, I'm yeah pretty like i don't really <laughs> that sounds so bad but i don't really like to interact with people <laughs> and so i found it very, very like challenging for me to just like go okay. work at a company and suddenly i have to deal with a lot of people yeah and i think it's overwhelming so nowadays if it's just like zoom meetings and they assign tasks to you online i, I just find it more peaceful it's okay. like i don't have to meet people fun right right as it's Strange as it may seem to someone who hosts a weekly, like, two-hour radio show, I am similarly, I'm not spending the other six days constantly talking to people. I am glad to be by myself and relaxing. Yeah. And just, yeah. It's like, I don't need to be on all the time. Even, like, I feel like there are, there are occasionally, like, a week or so where I was, like, I reply to people on Twitter and, like, this is exhausting. I don't want to do this. How does anyone have the time to do stuff like this? I don't. I have so much to do, and then like, yeah, to be online too. It's, it's so much work. I don't have time. I don't. I got other stuff to do. I have other projects to build, other things. To, uh, I don't know. Yes, I. What I'm saying is, I I understand fully the 
the desire to not be on 40 hours a week and have to like not want to like instead just like people see recognize your name and be like oh she did a lot of like good tasking for me that's a good that's a good <laughs> task completer we should yeah. we should have Phoebe on as a paid task completer a full-time paid task completer and I mean at a big company you don't need to be like this huge multidisciplinary professional you know you can just be like I'm very good at doing bug things or something you know yes I'm very good at play testing I'm very good at whatever listen I, I have no sense of like there's probably so many people working on a company like ride i have zero sense of like what you know the entry level position even does mm -hmm. especially on like a technical end um like i say like for like a big company like this you don't really do much stuff that is in actually like what you learned or you're that like they they're not um they don't trust you like they don't trust you to, to give you the actual right <laughs> like tasks they, they don't trust you to so you can like you can't really like just give the just suggest an idea like you, you don't actually design the game they right, design right. the game you, you just be there and you listen to them and you make and, sure it works it's not like yes they're not yeah yeah <laughs> Right, there's there are lead programmers, and right? I think, yeah, it's it's like it's already better for a company like Riot because it's at least it's a gaming company. But if you're working for something like some of my friends are doing, like working for like other companies in like like huge companies like Goldman Sachs, like right. those kind of companies, like. You like really don't get to do much stuff. You literally buy people coffee and you give them coffee. Like someone told me that's what all they did kind of right. during but, the internship. They didn't really learn much. Yeah, that is. That I think is, that, I guess for me it's a little bit better. But that is, yeah. yeah that, right. At least your tasks presumably are somewhat connected to like programming or, you know, digital design and not fully just. I'm getting coffee, I'm getting lunch, I'm getting food for people. And plus, yes. you can't, you, luckily, they have to find ways to, p to give interns work that aren't getting food because what are you going to do? Uh, go on DoorDash for them and order food? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, we, we want some pizza. Could you go to, Phoebe, could you go to the Domino's site for us and order us some pizzas? Just like, <laughs> at that point, just do it yourself. It's faster. Because then they have to like give yeah. you your, their address and everything, which is a lot weirder, I think. So I guess in a way, they're forcing interns to like actually learn to some extent. Mm -hmm. or, or I guess they could, yeah. yeah. Giving them skills, whether they like it or not. But that's, yeah, that's, you know, it's a, it's a big world. And who knows? There's like indie studios everywhere now. So some people can like, I think they're indie or studios like you know that weird middle ground that double a if you will or single a that are like have interns now that i presume take on more like workloads but also there's like yeah. actually indie companies that hire people 
Yeah, yeah, I think actually it would be more fun uh, or more like you would be more actively participating in like important stuff in the in the studio if you're working for like a smaller one and you you, you actually get to do stuff. Um, so yeah, but the other problem with smaller studios is that it's kind of really hard for them to how do you put it it's like really difficult for them to compete with the triple a companies right and it's just like a really difficult situation right now because even if you have like a like a game or something that that is really really good really prominent and you're kind of like successful if like there are possibilities where a AAA company will just kind of like take over, like take over your studio, kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Because and <laughs> even if you are like looking for a job after the fact, even at indie studios, like what looks better, like that you work, you had an internship at an indie studio, you had like an internship at Riot, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Of course, it's gonna look prettier on your resume that you interned at Riot. Yeah. But. To be honest, I think you learn more stuff if you work at an indie studio, or even better, if you just have an indie studio. That's right. what I want to do. I want to have a studio. Yeah, just like if you have like a portfolio, like here's my own stuff that I made and already have. Here's everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, anyone can make an indie studio. You can do it right now. I would say. More people have indie studios with logos and names than they do indie studios with games they've actually made. Mm-hmm. So you're like a, you're like five steps ahead of most people at this point. <laughs> yeah, I kind of. I yeah, <laughs> I sometimes get submissions where it's like you have a name, you have a, a Twitter account for your brand, you have all these things. And you have a fancy logo, and it looks like you spent more time on that than you did your game. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's good to actually make something once in a while. Exactly. I think it's. Yeah. I think at least I'm also not like a company with money, so you have to take you know, I'm a I'm a real fringe case, even if I had that. But to me, somebody making a game. Even if it's just like phoebe.itch.io, here's my game. I just have my name. I don't have anything approaching a company, but I made a game. I'm like, oh, that's far more interesting than like the illusion of, I don't know, pretending you're a company. Yeah, I think so too. And also, it's very, it's very, it's very rare that you have time and energy and partner that can focus on one project and like really work on it and not have to worry about how to live yes yes so (laughs) that's the trickiest part (laughs) yeah the part people forget about art after all after all said and done is you also need to like still live in a house and eat food or like get or get the closest approximation of those as you can yeah yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real, real messy world out there, and people got to do what they can to get by, so. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as we are approaching the end already of our half hour, Phoebe. Oh, um, yeah, that was that time flew. Yes, uh, yes, it's just like <laughs> I found that it's like, wow, we're already done. And then what do we do now? We just go on to the next one. And then like after two and a half hours is already gone and I didn't even realize it. It's now daylight saving time, so now I'm like, oh, I, it becomes dark now, like mid-show or mid-first interview. But as we go out, as a fan of Blizzard, what would you say is your, what was your first Blizzard game, and what is your favorite? Overwatch. Okay. First Ed favorite? <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, I did not know about, okay, so I wasn't even like a per- I, I, I don't think I consider myself as a gamer before. What? I first, no, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to before, disconnect you from this call. Yeah, I, did not, I was not interested into gaming at all. Yeah, uh, no, no, that's, that's um, fine. Before, yeah, before, um, before maybe second year of university. Wait. Oh, no, first year of university. Okay. No, I, I, th- I think something like that. But um, the first game I played was League of Legends, but sucked so <laughs> later i only played that game and no matter what people tell me that like, people are like oh you should try this game uh, or this game's fun or this yeah. game just released i'm just like nah i'm just gonna continue being a loser in league and right. one day adrian was like i'm not gonna play league with you anymore <laughs> so can you please play overwatch with me and i said no and for my birthday he forcefully bought me overwatch so it kind of became that I had to play Overwatch and I just found it very boring in the beginning and very difficult. But then suddenly we were just so addicted and <laughs> every day we played Overwatch nonstop. Oh, perfect. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I, I mean, I think people need, I think games needs like a more, more people with like outsider perspectives. I think that's how you get things like PM in the first place. Um, it's yeah. like not people who grew up with a games or obsessed with games and obsessed with making, you know, capital, proper noun video games but phoebe glad to have you we're gonna go to break now um thanks for being here goodbye everyone we'll be back hello and welcome back to indie apocalypse radio i am here with my second guest the age the aforementioned adrian from the previous segment adrian hello (laughs) hello how you doing uh i'm good thanks okay Perfect, perfect. Um, I have a question for you. You may have heard the question from the previous segment because we only got two mm-hmm. questions from our previous guest last week. And that question is, what's the thing that brings you joy when you run into it while playing a game? Oof. Okay. Um, You've had time to prepare. Yes, I had time to prepare, but my mind is very um, slow. Okay. Um, so I enjoy games that give me like more things to explore like i can use more of my imagination to like maybe um imagine more scenarios than what the game offers okay that's what i enjoy i also like since i'm kind of a artist um i uh look at art design a lot yeah and uh, also the general stage design of things okay that's uh what i enjoy yeah okay so what you're saying is you want to bring back fixed cameras so we can (laughs) really do like meaningful layouts in games again and like properly stage them yeah i mean 
Sure. I mean, sure. <laughs> it was presented like a joke, but I, when I played, like the last time I played a game with a fixed camera, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you can do really cool stuff with this. Yeah, and, yeah. And you know what a scene's going to look like. I also enjoy, um, like, when it's like you can see stuff outside of the fixed camera too. Yeah. Um, like uh, those like YouTube videos where you can like kind of hack the game and see all the like um, stuff that put up like all these beautiful sceneries and it's just like some weird textures everywhere. Right. Um, yeah, I enjoy that part. I think it's just like really uh, great. It's like live theater, you know, like right. it looks pretty on the stage, but outside of the stage is absolute chaos. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's exactly. It's like the, the illusion of the film soundstage. Mm-hmm. It looks too, like two feet over to the right is like a craft service table. Just <laughs> <laughs> like people lying around. But everything presented like front and center is like uh, everything you need to see and it's beautifully set up. Yeah. I saw a game once at Indicate East that was like very deliberately designed like a stage play. Oh, nice. Like it would like, it was one of those like, rot- those are real things, right? Rotating stages. That's also Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like actually one of those like rotating, they had it designed as if it was like a rotating stage. So that's how they would move to new locations. Oh, wow. That's lit. I don't know like what the game was. I don't remember what the game was called, whatever became of it. Okay. Or oh, rotating stage. Not like a stage that rotates, but like a... <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's like a like a like it's on like a carrot like on a, like a stage on a carousel. So like instead of like, I would be in like the warehouse stage, and then like after the scene happened there, the carousel stage would physically rotate, and you would see like the warehouse would go away, and then you would be like in the forest. Oh, cool. I think, it, and obviously, I think it also had like like more stuff that would come in like the foreground that would just probably just like magically appear, mm-hmm. or just be like oh. shunted in off stage. But I wonder what, wonder what I don't know what ever became of that. <laughs> well, that's what happens is well, most indie projects, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Because everyone's like, we have to spend thirty years making our game perfect, and then yeah. they give up at year ten. <laughs> Or the money runs out, or they just like Oof. that's that's the problem. You got to work on small scales. Yeah, it's very easy to burn out, I guess. Yeah. Well, because it's like there's no this. I've to get a glimpse glimpse into my emails I'm sending bef- during the pre-show. <laughs> like even like on small indie scales, there's a gulf between say offering someone. $150 for a commission and someone who is like, I was in the indie apocalypse and I got $20 and that's the most money I've ever made on an indie game. And so I'm being like $150 is very low for a commission. And I'm like, <laughs> both of those are sad and true. Yeah. I wish I could get $150 from my art. Damn. <laughs> well, that's okay. So the complicated thing is that um, I'm, as as people who follow the project know, I've started in this year commissioning people, and I see a lot mm-hmm. of people. I'm like, oh, these people are awesome. I should then I like look at the like, you know, their online presence or whatever, their social media follows, and it's like twenty. Mm-hmm. I was like, 
The point of paying for people is that I'm technically paying for advertising or something, but I'll probably give that up <laughs> soon. Honestly, I'll probably be like, this is, this sucks. I hate doing this. I will just like, I want, I want to pay this person that this 20 follower person who makes cool stuff instead. And who cares if it doesn't get me like attention. It's complicated. Oh, that's really nice of you. you Got to do something with that it's... stimulus check. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so are you also a recent recent graduate? Um, yeah, sure. I graduated a semester earlier than okay. Phoebe. Yeah, we well, actually are not in the same school. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, joined her project. Okay. Um, after I graduated, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do that." Perfect. Yeah. Now I. Yeah. I also graduated semester early. No, no, I did a year, but that was because. Listen, I recommend if you if you're going to college, just like, depending on your colleges, you can probably take this is a PSA for everyone out there. Um, college level equivalency program or, whatever whatever CLEP stands for, you can pay like twenty dollars, like fifty dollars, and it covers like an entire course worth of credits, and you can <laughs> cut an entire year off of your college. For like two hundred dollars, I recommend not going to school in the USA. Yes, also that. <laughs> it's so expensive. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm actually I... a Canadian, but uh, I went to international school, like to the US, and it's yeah. so expensive. I'm, right. Like... No, I yes, I, I, even in high school, it blew my mind that people would like travel outside of state to go to another state school and. Granted, I live in, like, Massachusetts, which is, like, fucking peak college state, you know? Oh. So it's, like, there's colleges everywhere, and I think most of them are considered good. So even the state ones are kind of cheap, and, like, to go all the way to, like, Missouri State, it's like, shit, dude, that's so much (laughs) money. You have to pay to live there. Um, I was, like, a hardcore, like, I'm going to do art kind of person, and I was like... (laughs) Canadian art schools suck. <laughs> like, I'm going to America. Yeah, there's like a bunch of American art schools, famous ones. The aforementioned yeah. Tisch, right? That's yeah. primarily an art school, I think, right? I have no idea. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, whenever I've heard Tisch referred to, it's always referred to as like artists or films. So I think it's an art school. Oh, cool. Tish, Tish is in my school. Tish is the uh, Tish School of Arts. Yeah, it's very famous for okay. uh, film. Yeah. Thank you. No, thank you. I could. I often <laughs> tell people that this is like consider us to be the table. So if you had something important to tell us and jump in, you are free to do <laughs> as such. But yeah. Um. So where did you land on, if you don't mind saying? Uh, my major. No, no. Which which school did you land? Which which oh. prestigious American art school did you land at? Prestigious American art school. Yes, I went to um, Micah, Maryland okay. Institute College of Art. Okay. Yeah, I should have went to New York. Honestly, so it's the same price, but like New York's more fun. Right. Micah's yes. like in Baltimore. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. I... Oh, hey. Yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about shit down Baltimore. <laughs> no, I have no f- listen. I yeah, I think America feels like it has 
listen, it's a weird, it's a, this is a weird ass country where it feels like sometimes there's only two cities, even though it has like so many cities. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe in five years, Baltimore will also be an art city, but, or if it isn't already and you just don't know about it. I feel like there's like, it's like, it's probably cyclical. Like, you know, as rent goes down, artists, fl- <laughs> yes. Yes, as rent goes down, artists flood to cheap cities because they art doesn't pay any money. Yes, oh or it God. pays a lot of money. One of the two. Yeah, you are either really rich or really really poor. So right. that's great. I have a deep resentment and love for the whatever you call art scene or whatnot. But yeah, you know. right. It's like, are you someone who's like getting patron? patronage and you're selling your paintings for millions of dollars or are you like paying for gallery space and nobody comes to yeah and it's real (sighs) real feast or famine if only there that's why i'm trying to like what if there was like so what 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 art background do you come from like what what would you say your primary sort of like i guess discipline is what would you say discipline Ooh, i don't know actually um, I where well, I studied fine art. Okay. Um, which means that I did a lot of paintings in school. Yeah. Uh, but after school, I kind of just like started doing fan art and stuff digitally, like a lot. Okay. Yeah, because like uh, I was forced to move because of COVID, and oh. I, yeah, I left a lot of my art equipment, like art supplies, like in Baltimore, <laughs> right. and <laughs> it was sad, but. But yeah, also, digitally, it's fun. But then I guess on, on the flip side, how, how are you going to, um, you know, it's harder to sell a painting online when nobody knows to look for your paintings, you know? Yeah. You yeah. don't even have, like, gallery spaces or any, like, physical spaces to work with. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have a Tumblr or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. And from my limited convention experience, fan art is how people make the big bucks. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They they go like, what anime is popular right now? And then they make 30 pieces for it. Yeah, then, that's true. And then they're like, buy my OCs as well, please. <laughs> <laughs> buy, here, uh, I, have, I have my mini comics that I spent a lot of work on. Mm-hmm. They're very personal, but they're like, I want the Demon Slayer art. Yeah. Please. I, I, don't know if I don't know if I'm out of touch if that's too old now at this point. I have no idea. I live under a rock. I, I was gonna say Naruto, <laughs> but is Naruto evergreen? I don't know. Oh my god! I have yeah. I I am now. When you say you live under a rock, do you mean that you just like are just outside of pop culture and like experience like find art on your own terms, or do you just like not do anything? <laughs> oh, I just don't do anything. No. Okay. Um. Uh, I. Basically, I don't know. I just like am in a weird circle of things that like are not popular. I guess like oh. my tastes are just kind of not popular. Yes. <laughs> no. No. I. Yeah. That is something I understand. I remember somebody said at one point, like when you're like into stuff that's not popular, like or that kind of like that old-fashioned hipster mentality is like. Mm. A very a very lonely one because nobody likes the things you like, even if you enjoy them. Mm-hmm. 
So it's like, wow, I really enjoy this thing. I even if you're like, oh, I think I'm better than other people. It's like, to what end? Who are you gonna tell that to? Nobody cares. Yeah. So, I draw fine art of like the most obscure thing in the Western world. Okay. And it's just like, ugh, man, I wish I was like into like Demon Slayer or some shit. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> gotta make some bucks, yo. <laughs> yeah right listen you don't need to be into it you just need to go type demon slayer into google Oof. image search and be like oh my god i could do this i could draw this <laughs> oh my god once i did like a five minute sketch of like mob cycle yeah. and i got like the most reblogs <laughs> i've ever had that's out of everything yeah that's that's how it is like people like the thing that's that's the secret isn't it it's like you have to yeah. draw things people know until eventually your ocs become the thing people know yeah Ugh. it's, it's like, the big ladder it's just like a Ugh. vicious cycle mm-hmm. and then hopefully like five years from now somebody is drawing like this is my adrian's character who i like so much i'm drawing them because nobody cares about my characters <laughs> i feel but that i've definitely i've definitely seen that cycle you know of people like mm-hmm. You know, you get famous making your Persona comics, and now you parlay that into just eventually doing your own art that people pay for. And that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it's like, oh, it's a tough life out there, you know? Yeah. What's, so what, what is your, what's the, um, the, a piece of obscure art that you, th- that you wish was ultra popular? So oh my people, god so people you could finally talk to people about it or you could well, post honestly, an art of and get a million re- likes and reblogs honestly german austrian musicals okay <laughs> <laughs> so you so you're like uh, you're you're just waiting to like you've got your animatics ready to put up on youtube and you're waiting for the light <laughs> like that fire but you're like i wish people just shut about hamilton already i have other musicals <laughs> Oh, that's true. I mean, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I listened to that album one time, like, oh, this is fun. And then I have forgotten about it since. <laughs> Honestly, there are a lot of uh, Asian followings of like those like obscure musicals. Yeah. But in the West, it's like non-existent. Right, right. No. <laughs> yeah, like, so weird. I feel like it's in- for as much as like we, t- I feel like there was like less of a monoculture for a very long time. It feels like it's coming back real strong. Mm-hmm. And I think like social media and the algorithms have like they've put in the hard work and they've reinvented the monoculture. So now everyone has to talk about whatever the Marvel t- TV show is now or something. Oh uh, yeah, some stuff I don't know. Yeah. So but... what's so. What are some choice German Austrian musicals? Oh my god. Oh no. This is a wormhole. Okay. okay. Listen, we've um, got we've I've got this is this radio show is a, a welcome a welcomer of wormholes. Oh god, I'd re- um I'd recommend Elizabeth as musical. It is uh, uh the last like uh oh shit. One second. I gotta put up the wiki. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. It's uh. It's like Empress Elizabeth of Austria. Um, 
like uh, she's the wife of Empire Francis Joseph the first, which like kind of was, like her last. Um, she kind of symbolized the end of the German Austrian Empire or something like that. I, I don't know. Like it's weird. Sure. But it's very cool. It, it's like uh, she death is a character there, and like she kind of like has this love hate kind of relationship with death, okay. and it's like all like a whole thing and i love it it's fantastic okay what what is the name again real quick it's uh elizabeth that's musical okay i'm just like typing things in real quick so i can now is is that all in um what is that in so is that in, what language is that in it formed it it's it's uh well it's german yeah so is it just and it's all presumably preser- um, performed in German. Yeah. There now, are the languages of it, but like mostly German. It's cool though. There are like English subtitles and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. So how do you watch this then? Is it just like online? Um. Sure. You can buy DVDs too. Right. Okay. It's like I'm just thinking. How did? Do, how does one get into German Austrian musicals? Oh, mostly like um, they have official DVDs, and yeah. there are some people who put out like subtitles, like probably on YouTube and stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. This is I found the one. It has been around for a while. Yes. And it has gotten around as well. Mm-hmm. Not, not to the not to the U.S. though. <laughs> kind of like everywhere else. The last place it was was in Seoul. <laughs> yes. It's pretty popular. Just not popular here for some reason. Eh. Yeah, I feel stuff has a hard time, I think, sometimes penetrating, you know, the Western Western culture, especially like the mm-hmm. US in particular. Yeah. Or like it only comes over when it's like very like if you if, if you're if you're an American, it's very easy to think, wow, the rest of the world just makes like high art all the time because that's all that makes it over here. Because it's hard for, I guess, like, popcorn cinema is, like, it's, it's you know, so vastly overshadowed by the Hollywood machine. And there's no one who's, like, doing the work to bring out, bring that kind of, like, just kind of, like, pop cinema over here and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because, like, why compete? So all that makes it over is, like, real art stuff. It'd be good to have, like, a, like small, more small, like... Uh cinemas with like lowbrow like uh movies and whatnot from like other places of the world yeah i think that'd be cool there's one the in baltimore that i really liked like uh that would do some like uh stage like those like live stage recordings and whatnot sometimes okay and it's uh very fun i wish there were more theaters like that <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, or, i guess i wish those theaters will survive <laughs> and like, oh god yeah that's that's the thing i'm worried about when i go like ah everything's back open let me look and see when these concerts are coming up oh all those theaters are closed mm-hmm. they're like pharmacies now or like who knows what they'll turn into just mm-hmm. like regular old corner stores it's now a, it's now a mcdonald's <laughs> oh boy uh, or, yeah, 
I've, I mean, people have, I feel like people have been trying. There's like, they've been doing like, I've seen a lot of theaters do streams. Who knows? Maybe they, maybe they've done a stream this time, this whole, <laughs> like this whole year. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know existed. It's great because, uh, yeah, in a way, I mean, um, that there are more streams and stuff, like more recordings of it because now it's more accessible for the general public rather than like, you know, just a few that has the money to go to the theater or right. in the right location to be there. It's like a lot of Broadway shows, like they just don't have any recordings or like some of them don't have like a great record great recordings because it's like still in broadway and it's gonna yeah. be in broadway for like five ten years or something um <laughs> right and they want people to go to new york and pay like the hundreds of dollars to go see it yeah but like it's so expensive like gee <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean just to get, i mean imagine if you're in like in the middle of the country mm-hmm. how do you see these shows yeah how do you see these or you have no you can only find like bootlegs Right, because they're they're not like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a thousand over a thousand dollars to see one Broadway show. Yeah, I can't imagine any of them are that good. (laughs) I used to uh, go to New York and ride the like bus for like three hours or something. Go to New York and then line up at the theater and whatnot to get like the tickets, and it's like a hundred dollars. I'm like, man. (laughs) Just, but can I, mean, I just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you just, like, <laughs> buy a DVD and watch it? Yeah, can I just buy a DVD and watch it, whatever. It's not even, like, people say that live theater is, like, way better or something. But the thing is, live theater is better when you have a good seat. Right. <laughs> if, you're, if you're, like, in the back, like, behind yeah. a pole somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're not going to. The only, You're not gonna see anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why. Like, I've never, I've never even like. It's I have the same experience with like, who goes to a concert like a stadium show seems really strange to me, because it's like, mm-hmm. just listen to the album, dude, at your house. <laughs> <laughs> the only venue oh. I go to is like a very a relatively small venue, like an old fashioned theater, and mm-hmm. it's like, sometimes you go upstairs if it's like a smaller, smaller venue, and it's like even tinier and you're like everyone's just like right there even in the far back you're basically just like right there mm-hmm. and yeah. that's nice it's more uh, intimate that way i guess <laughs> right yeah and it's, it feels like i'm you know you're more going to see a show mm-hmm. but also that's like 40 dollars and somewhere i can drive to mm-hmm. it takes me a very long time similarly i think it, what is it like Oh, I can't imagine what it would be by on bus, but I think it's like a four or five hour train ride for me to get to New York. Wow. Or maybe it's three. I don't remember. It's been so long since I did it because I only ever went there to go to Indiecade. Mm-hmm. And that shit was always in constant flux. And then COVID. And oh. no reason to travel anywhere. Yeah. But, but anyway, well, <laughs> anyway, well, I feel I, like, uh, yeah, it's just like, we should probably should talk about gaming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> Do you like video yes. games, Adrian? I do. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, good, good. You saved me there. <laughs> I, I, I always forget. I always forget about video games. I mean, I've been actually. I've been playing more video games recently because I like mm-hmm. tore through my. I finally got through my stack of comics, and I have very few films left that I. I mean, oh. I try to make sure that I, you know, watch and read the things that I buy, so I don't feel bad about buying them. Mm-hmm. But that's actually dwindling. So I'm like, I guess I can play games again. <laughs> but that's nice. Yeah, you can just play RPGs and just like speed yeah. them up while I watch other things. Good old emulators. Oh, that's nice. I used to play a lot of emulator games when I was young. Yeah. Because uh, well, I had no money for right. uh, for like an actual you know console. Yeah. And why get a console where you can get this computer that plays all of those games? Yeah. I was like, piracy. I was right. a little pirate. <laughs> let's, Adrian, let's be honest. Who's all these games, like, who's reselling them, you know? Mm-hmm. Who's got the rights to eight eyes for the NES? I don't even know. Nobody? <laughs> and who's selling them? Nobody is. Who cares? Yeah. You know, yeah. All that. It's cool. Um, well, I don't know. So it's nice I've to been be... playing a lot of RPGs too. Oh, so what is what is what is your RPG of choice at the moment? Ooh, RPG of choice. Honestly, it's like I feel embarrassed. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's you're allowed. To, I can say some embarrassing games that I play after. I, I yeah. hey, let me help you out. I, I also, in addition to, I, to playing that, I also play Magic: The Gathering and I play Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh well. So let <laughs> let me get let me pre embarrass myself. I, sometimes. Oh, I. Mm-hmm. What were you say? Oh, sorry, 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 cut you off. No, no, I just, I play a lot of cyberpunk when it came out. Okay. So much, and uh, I played Dragon Age Origins again, and uh, it's it's great. And I also played like Final New Vegas. I'm like just. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but it's very fun, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm playing the like right before the show. I was playing the first Golden Sun, so. Oh, lit. I am not like, well, because I have the DS one. I was like, well, if I'm gonna play that, I've been playing through. I've, I had a time in my youth with my disposable income where I bought a lot of games, so I'm trying to play through them all. Mm-hmm. Or like play That's enough nice. of them to where I'm like, ah, I've played enough of this game. I don't need to play it anymore. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I should play this new game, and then I go back to play like Princess Maker or something. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, okay. I one of these days, I like, so I played like a little bit when I was. So at one point, I went through my Steam library and did like a very like calling of my Steam library, where I was like, I played an hour of Dark Stars two, and I'm like, I never need to play this game again. And, mm-hmm. But I played Long Live the Queen. I think I believe is the what it's called. Which I think is uh-huh. like Princess Maker adjacent, and I've never played Princess Maker games, but people like them, and I'm fascinated by what they are because I don't think there's very many games that are stylistically like them. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is that one of these days I'm gonna tell me about Adrian. What I'm saying is tell me about Princess Maker. Oh, it's great. Uh, I used to play it on the DOS box, Steel Xbox, or whatnot. Yeah. Um, all that, but right now there's like a refined version on steam right now of princess maker 2 okay uh, it's basically just like you have a daughter and 
Also, you get to marry her, but let's not talk about that, huh? Okay. Right. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, I can can have like parts that you don't like about it. You know, <laughs> things are allowed it's to like, be good oh. and bad. Oh yeah. wait a minute. I just realized that you said marry her, but like, is it you marry her? Not like you marry her, the verb, you know, like marry her off. Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, no, no. I'm, yeah, I'm saying you marry her, okay? Okay, like you as her father marry her. Yeah. Okay. That's, yes. Yeah. <laughs> At first, I thought you were just talking about like a shortened version of to marry her off. And then I was like, nah. well, I guess that's a little weird that you would do that. Oh, and come like, on too much agency over this woman but then no that's even worse that's even worse yes it's worse it's the old japanese game of a little girl i mean yeah. yeah the style is really good though it's really good style and if you don't do the weird shit yeah it's fine it's right. a good game do you do you know which like port of that is online is it like the pc 98 because I feel like that was one of those games I had like in that era where you could be on a bunch of different consoles and computers, mm -hmm. and they all look different. Yeah, uh, it's the. I guess it's like PC ninety eight. Okay, or eighty eight. I don't know. I also don't know too much about Japanese computers, but I mm -hmm. I also love them aesthetically. Yeah, me too. Like just like the something about the like the color palettes and like the UI and yeah, that style is like really good. It's they like, used to draw these like with like uh, just the mouse, and it's like so crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just like. And also like in absolutely tiny tiny resolutions. Mm hmm. I got the um. That FF dot book, which is like the pixel art Final Fantasies. Oh, nice. And they have some pages which are literally just like 16 by 16 grids blown up, and it's just like pixel by pixel, like here's the character art. Yeah. And it's, I think, I love that, those. And it has like the color palette on the side, I think, too. <laughs> I can't remember if they have the hex values. It would be very cool if they had the hex values. So it's like, if you want, if you want to recreate the warrior for Final Fantasy One, here's everything you need. That's lit. I don't remember though. It might you might just have to eyeball it. But also, like a sprite and stuff has like color palettes you can load in. Mm-hmm. I feel I have a very similar feeling for European. In in Canada, oh. did you have like European computers like the ZX and the Commodore? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay, so presumably not, <laughs> or yeah. like. Not to the, or like not to the extent that they were like a household name. Uh, I have no idea because I'm kind of an immigrant. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, so I immigrated from China like when I was like nine years old. So I missed out on like a lot of stuff. I guess. Oh yeah, like I mm -hmm. guess like that very early computer error. Yeah, the early computer error. Um, yeah. I actually use a sprite for most of the assets of PM. Yeah, it's a it's a good. I, I like it. I think it's good. Mm -hmm. think, it's very good. It's it's easy to animate. Yes. Um, easy to like change the resolutions and whatnot. It's very good. And as someone who likes to work in like arbitrary resolutions and like color palettes, I made 
art like i feel like it's actually like two weeks old at this point my last foray into making games and they're like i made a garth Marenghi art in the zx spectrum because that was i had an idea of that i never got to yet but if i say it aloud maybe i'll do it but um <laughs> anyway as we go out as we are approaching the end of our half hour already oh uh, I've put myself, I've backed myself in this corner because I didn't have a question ready. So, um, what is your favorite role-playing game? Oh, no. <laughs> or one of them, one of them. I, I, I also <laughs> like, am very, very hard-pressed to answer favorite because I think there's a lot of mental math that goes into answering a favorite, or at least I overthink uh -huh. that kind of thing too much. <laughs> what, what's a favorite yeah, what's the first thing that comes to mind oh a favorite yeah um i'd say dragon age because i played a lot of it okay mm -hmm. perfect perfect i i like there's I, there's something in dragon age that i liked that i forgot what it was i think it was like cut content where it was like if you like got into a relationship with the character but then you broke up or got out of it they would like talk about it and i thought that was very cool but because i think it's weird I that like those like party based games where character we can get into like relations with other characters, but it has no story bearing where of course it would have like massive story bearings in like the context of a friend group of suddenly two of them start dating. But yeah, that's enough of this rant. I could go on about that for a while. <laughs> Instead we're going to go to break. Thank you for being okay. here, Adrian. Um, Thank goodbye, you for everyone. inviting me. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome back to Indie Apocalypse Radio. We are here with guest number three, Alex Higgins, who you may know from issue fourteen, the most recent issue of Indie Apocalypse with Danger Zone Friends. Hello, Alex. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, glad to have you cool. here. Um, same question. Uh, actually, here's another question. The, the second question I received, uh, but I don't fully. I you know. I mean, I guess I get it. Oh, it's is it's that old. Would you rather have hands for feet or feet for hands? Oh God! Uh, hold on. Now, the, the my my problem with oh, this oh hands for feet hands hands yeah hell hands down. Oh God, I can't believe that's yeah. A pound. Anyway, because my question with that always is like, because I feel like that's that's one of those old old you know like what ifs you know, or would you rather? Yeah. But it's, I mean, I think it's the kind of thing where, especially for creative people, I mean, everybody needs their hands, right? Yeah. But like, I kind of think it's like, I mean, if I don't have hands, then I can't play music and make games and draw things. And yes. Yeah. Um, we should get more of them. If, you, if, if you're offered more hands, you take it. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. I could like, yeah, like play two instruments at once. That's. Yeah, no, that's like enough positive. We can just like crawl around like some sort of crab monster, right. and uh, yeah, no, that'll be that'll be sick as hell. Yeah, I mean, or like, or like our, or like our monkey ancestors who still got those. Right. Crawl on the walls too. They could yeah. also carry things. Uh huh. Give me just like all. six more hands. Yeah. Yeah, just more hands everywhere, so I can be like that really cool guy with the double neck bass, and I play both necks at the same time mm -hmm. yeah 
Well, anyway, <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Um, plus, you'd be wearing shoes most of the time anyway, so it's like no one would even notice if you were the only right. person. That'd be like a good setup for like a gag manga or some sort of like comedy or like some sort of like comedy film where the person has their feet replaced with hands. They have to hide it for the entire story, you know, yeah. and it's just a series of scenarios where it's like, oh, no, the shoes are about to come off and it doesn't actually happen. But... Perfect for the perfect for the artist who hates to draw feet. Yeah. But yeah. loves to draw hands. Which is weird. I find hands more difficult. I've only, I've only seen, I think I've only seen like maybe one artist in my entire life who I think loves to draw hands and feet. And that is, oh, do I remember his full, I don't think I remember his full name. It's the guy who does Blade of the Immortal. Is it it like Hiroki Samura or something? Mm. I forget his full, I forget his name off the top of my head. Or, or more like, I think I forgot which vowels and which name, you know? Right. But anyway. Dude loves drawing hands and feet, like, all the time. And, like, he's very good at doing hand and foot acting. Mm. Which is also a whole other, like, talent. Sure. But anyway. So I got to ask you, Alex, the important question. I guess mm. that I got to ask people who always join Indiepocalypse. Um, how did you find Indiepocalypse? What? Way, 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 way back in the day, we'll say. Not this right. most recent issue uh man i think it was a year when i originally submitted so yeah. my memory's a little foggy i think it was probably i, mean, I must have just been through twitter i think most of most of my mutuals on well maybe not most but it was like substantial number of my mutuals on twitter from the glorious train wrecks community and i think maybe one of them were just like, hey, people should submit to this. And okay. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, and, then, and then the year since then, it <laughs> seems like a new apocalypse has started to become this uh, sort of like institution in that's, you know, yes. our part <laughs> of the internet where it just like, you know, keeps popping up. It's like, oh, cool. That's still happening. Lovely. You know, it's, that's yeah, good. It's, a, it's an extremely bizarre experience for me to <laughs> say, to, to like read guess friend of the show Mela Santani like read one of his blogs and see like right. apocalypse referenced in it I'm like weird <laughs> that that's but I guess it is becoming like an institution yeah and um, what I alluded to earlier was that you submitted to like the second or third one um mm-hmm. you didn't get in but this was also pre-waiting list so I was I didn't sure. tell people that when they didn't get in it was because their game wasn't bad and it's just because I can only have 10 games per issue Mm-hmm. And I think either that, I think it was the next issue, I um, somebody dropped out who didn't respond. So I I go back to my past submissions, oh. I, like, but you had removed your game from the jam, and then I think your website was still under construction. Oh sure, um, yeah, no, I had, or maybe I don't know, I there should have been. And then I was hmm. like, oh, I can't find, I, I can't think find somewhere you. on, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but then like, uh, when I, mean, I, was... I appreciate your persistence, but, uh, um, yeah, cause then it was like I mean, that. my current website's very new and my old one was kind of hard to navigate where a lot of people don't notice like the games tab at the top of right. it. And yeah, and I, I think it was hard to spell like everything under construction at the time. And, but now, but then I went through, I also have like massive playlists of like, mm-hmm 
called to get to games to play and now you like i cycle through them for one of my hand-picked games per issue and one of your games was in that from like some other blog or something i must have picked it up from oh that's funny and i was like oh oh and i, I like i'm like oh yeah i always double check on people who like i couldn't find any contact point for them earlier to see if maybe they added something and you had in fact added something or you're like your mm-hmm. website was built and i was like oh you have an email now so i can just email you and say hey you want to have your game in here and then you said yes which was very nice that's very nice to, so thank you yeah, asked. yeah thank you yeah no, that's that's really funny. I yeah, no, I just like wanted to like just like clean up the itch page. And it's like, oh, there's too much stuff in the top right corner. I'll yes. just you know unzip it from the yeah. That's partially. Yeah. I mean, you are one of the reasons why I tell people now that please do not remove your game from the jam, or at the very least, make sure so I can get that email later if you're on a waiting list. Because you were gone for a year. Anyway, anyway. Enough of that. Yes, I've. You said Michigan earlier, right? Because for the game scene that your mutuals exist in. No, uh, glorious train wrecks. Sorry. Oh, glorious. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, if if I am I in glorious train, do you mind the glorious train wreck circle too? I'm exciting. Uh, I mean, not. Like, I'm not as deep as some are. I've. Right. I think I've submitted to like five of their jobs. It's a funny thing where actually, you know, speaking of Baltimore, uh, when I. So after college, okay, full life story. Okay, so like, I grew up in and around Baltimore. No, 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 Alex, full life story. Uh, you were born. Okay, here we go. Uh, and then and then went back to Baltimore for a few years while I was figuring my life out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and at a venue, I actually, you know, wonder, uh, I don't, Adrian's may or may not have heard of the wind up space. Um, it's closed now, sadly, but uh. Um, but they, they used to have a, a board game night and, uh, you know, it was a sort of a combination of like music venue, bar, whatever, okay. but they also had a board game night and I met somebody there and neither of us knew that we made games or anything. We just kind of hit it off. Uh, uh my friend, Steven, um, who, if any, like, you know, if anybody knows him online as let off studios, um, that's who it was. And so, and we just like, yeah, you know, I just, you know, we friended each other on Facebook and then he just posted about a game jam he was hosting on glorious train wrecks like oh <laughs> i make games by the way it was like yeah. oh really shit and then like, you know, and, yeah yeah um, and that was like kind of how i yeah um started you know submitting to those jams so okay uh, yeah now glorious train wrecks is a, a beautiful thing i think mm-hmm. i love i love busted ass stuff <laughs> that is like oh yeah that's like trying something you know right yeah um yeah, and even even nowadays, even though I'm trying to do stuff that's a little more polished, it's still you know sure. it's yeah, it's still no, it's a very dear. You can they have a very dear mission, and uh, and, there, and there's just so much there. Uh, there's so many people there who I respect and who make just fantastic art, and yeah, you can take the person um, out of the tra- the person can leave the train wreck, but you can never take the train wreck out of you, you know. <laughs> Oh man. I think I think that's the spirit. As long as like I think the spirit of wanting to just sort of not necessarily worry too much about like I think there's a difference between polish and safe, you know? Yeah. Um Yeah. And I think like even when I think about some of the more explicitly like trash gamey or train wrecky stuff I've made, there's there's usually like something that's 
like hyper polished in right. there. Like there's still craft that's applied. And especially I think like even with like an aesthetic that even like in this like sort of the train wreck aesthetic itself, like you kind of like have to know what you're doing to make something that you know, with like hastily drawn Microsoft paint art or whatever that is still readable and is still visually compelling, you right. know, there's still yeah, there's so much. Yes, I've uh, I've played a lot of um non glorious train wrecks, I guess you would call them. Sure. In glorious train wrecks, yeah. As games that have been submitted mm-hmm. that are just like yes, they're MS Paint art and they're just like they play poorly but they're just trying to make like I don't know, Mario or something. But they lack the kind of like anything, and it's weird. And I so I, so I think like encouraging people that it's okay to make things that are not perfect and things that are I don't know bad art or whatever, mm-hmm. it's good. Right, and I think that way too, like it enables people to really focus down on like the one thing that they want to make right. good, and yeah, and really yeah deliver on that um, instead of just trying to like you know. Oh, instead of just like, you know, playing some triple A game, be like, oh, I want to create that. And just trying right. to like, yeah, um, without really understanding, you know, like each component. Um, right. Yeah. So let's people make things that they want to make. Let their, their, their own self-indulgent garbage. Whether mm-hmm. people, should more, people should do more video game sketching, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. Um, just like, here's a idea i crapped out and it's like it doesn't work but maybe i have maybe some of it informed something i'll do later yeah i mean i think that's the thing too when you're learning how to design games is that like i think when especially when it comes to design itself uh, you know that i mean for one thing you know you know finishing games in itself is a skill that needs to be learned and understood (laughs) you know uh, and, and of course, it helps to just like, you know, the way to learn how to finish a lot of things, to start a lot of things. But right. there's also extent to which when it comes to designs that usually you kind of figure out what works and what doesn't within like maybe the first like, I don't know, like week or month of working on something. And, and then you're just like kind of stuck with those choices and you really don't get to learn from them anymore. You know, yeah. it's like you're kind of locked into your mistakes and it's just like so much, I think people, you can just grow so much faster if you just like make, you know, 20 shit games and then like, okay, like now I really understand, you know, how it's not to make these 20 mistakes and I'm just learning how to yeah. not make this one mistake. Um, yeah. And... Games feel like they're the only art form that doesn't have like that kind of like practice you see, like, off to the side of like that clearly exists in every other artist is clearly like not just spending their whole time making the one thing, you know, Mm -hmm. they're doing a lot of practice or just a lot of noodling around on just like unrelated projects. Yeah. It's yeah. And and I'm thinking a lot too about my experience in college or even though my primary major, I mean, I went to, I went to school and left undergrad with a degree in political science but along the way i had a sort of identity crisis and i was like maybe i should pick up so so at the time so okay i mean some context so this yes. would have been like you know 2011 and 2015 was when i was in college so um and so we didn't just have 
So it wasn't like a straightforward games major. It was a games and animation major. They had yeah. combined the two. And, you know, it was a relatively small, relatively new program. Not very many professors um, handling the games part. Um, and and I sort of got the impression, and yeah, um, and, and maybe Phoebe can, you know, second this, but that they really, yeah, they really don't sort of emphasize the sketching and the iteration the way that you do with like other art forms, like when I'm taking like art classes or, yeah. you know, learn music or whatever, where it's the kind of thing where we have like one, one design class, one sort of here's how you, you make a game class. And then you just have these two capstone projects basically. Right. And so like, okay, you've gone from school and you've only made two games, which is like cool and good, but <laughs> You know, but but it's like so weird. But like you know, most of the games that we made just like weren't very good because it's literally right. only your first and second game. You know, <laughs> like you wouldn't do that with like you know visual art. You know, it's like right. oh yeah, this is my first and second drawing. It's like you did it with crayon when you were four. You know, like we, um, and sometimes sometimes like I mean you know it's people you know you know this isn't to say that like you know good art doesn't come out of that. And there are a lot of senior projects that of course grow into you know really wonderful sure. stuff um but it's also not like but who but i'm sure that those students are also doing like a lot of other stuff in the, the background you know in their personal right time. exactly yeah it's yeah um we could, we could ask adrian later but imagine a fine arts program where you made two paintings in four years mm-hmm. it would be a very so i guess what i'm saying to all the game designers out there is whatever and whatever engine you work in start up a new project and just call it sketch.unity or whatever and just go in there once a week or so and just noodle around and just like play with stuff yeah um, and just like see what you can make yeah that's good uh one hour game jam is good i haven't done it but i have friends who do that and um just a really good way to just yeah try out stuff uh, yeah yeah um now what is your i I assume I couldn't remember from the store page, but I feel like um, you work in RPG Maker. Am I correct in saying such? Uh, not primarily, actually. Oh. Actually, uh, Dangerous and Friends is the only complete game that I've made in RPG Maker. Actually, I use Game Maker Studio for almost everything. Oh, okay. uh, so, I started so using Game Maker when I was 12, and I've just gets the job done, uh, even yes. though it's sadly gotten more expensive since then. But uh, Right, right. No. Um, <laughs> But as a, uh, as a fellow game maker, maker mm. user, <laughs> yeah, it's like if you're not making 3D, why not? You know, uh-huh. yeah, even though I've also made two 3D games in Game Maker, which is pain in the ass. Don't, I don't recommend it. No, learn yeah. Unity, but um, unless you really, you know, your heart's set on it. But right. uh, but if you're making uh, an RPG, RPG Maker gets a lot of the busy work out of out of the way for you. Right, and and that's the kind of thing where I just, for the longest time, okay, okay, back at the life story. Yes. You know, I mean, having started publishing, well, publishing in quotes, you know, sharing games online by, like, the late aughts, you know, uh, you know, sort of the time when the modern indie scene was sort of growing up and, you know, sort of encountering all of these 
you know, large freeware games are made by like one or two people. So like, you know, the cave stories and the EGs yeah. and, you know, off and whatever, you know, games like that, you know, I was kind of inspired to be like, you know, that's what I should do. And, you know, sort of, you know, tradition lives on games like Undertale, you know, um, and, uh, as like, okay, like one day I'm going to, you know, make this, you know, it's going to spend a couple years to make this big, you know, multi-hour long game by myself and create this masterwork. And I tried that about like two or three times. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's a terrible idea. I mean, and especially when I, I talk about, you know, the examples I brought up, I mean, Emphasis on the one to two people, and most right, of the successful right. projects required that second person. Um, and and, you know, and part of the problem, you know, wasn't so much just you know time and energy, but also just you know I was, I think again talking about you know what we we're talking about before about iteration, where I was just growing so I was like outgrowing my projects very quickly, where right. you know like I was improving as a game designer like every three to six months and here i was working on this project that was going to take years and you know it's just like i don't want to work on this anymore it's like it's crap i'm better than this now um so yeah so it's the kind of thing where when it came to danger zone friends you know as you know I, I for the most part like given up on the dream of like making anything that was like relatively right. large and then yeah and then you know one day my partner just asked me, I was like, hey, why don't you make a game for my birthday? I was like, oh, cool. What do you want? And she was just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, cute animals in it. And I was like, okay, okay. And, and she was playing, you know, a lot of RPGs at the time. Yeah. Like, you know, she played a lot of Pokemon and just being in Persona 5 and everything. So I was like, okay, this is a genre that she's familiar with and that. So, okay, you know, I got, like, you know, RPG Maker in a bundle forever ago. It's like, you know, boot it up again. Um, and, uh, and, Lo and behold, like I made a relatively, like yeah, I made a RPG. It's this kind of yeah. thing where, you know, part of me for a while did feel a little bit of shame about the fact that you know it's one of the few games that, you know, I did very little, right. you know, technical programming for. Where, you know, the, the you know the program languages I was familiar with were you know, you know the GML, JavaScript, C yeah. kind of thing, and. Ruby is just like the syntax is just if you're used to those other languages, like it, you know, it's, it's gibberish, and yeah. you know, I wasn't I, going to learn a whole new language for one game. Right. Um, I, I I looked at that before, like oh maybe I could do something in RPG Maker would save me time, but I'm like I don't know. But then I ran up against the walls very quickly, and then I looked right. at Ruby, and I was like I don't understand Ruby. I barely understand the C plus plus derivative GML. I'm not a programmer. Right. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so it's, it's, you know, it's the kind of thing where at first I felt, you know, a little bit of shame. I was like, oh, it's like just an RPG maker game. Yeah, but it's right. the kind of thing where it's like, you know, if it weren't for this tool, I wouldn't be able yeah. to tell this story and make this game at all. You know, and I think it's really cool that this technology is available. And even if it is, you know, even if the menu system is identical to literally like thousands of other games that exist, yeah. you know, it's uh, that's not what people remember it for. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, Alex, Alex, let me tell you, as someone who plays a lot of, you know, just RPG maker games mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of really bad RPG maker games. And like, that's also true. <laughs> your game does not feel like an RPG. It's your game is a game made an RPG maker, not an RPG maker game. And I think there's an important distinction sometimes.
I appreciate that. Thank for, you. For whatever, for, for whatever that um, RPG maker laid, um, an idea that I want, one of my pet projects, I invent a lot of pet projects when I get too good at making Indiepocalypse, which mm -hmm. ha happens more often than I think, mm -hmm. um, is that I want to make an Exquisite Corpse RPG Maker 2 game. RPG Maker 2 being for the PS2, where I want people to mail memory oh, cards wow. to each other and work on a, a month at a time. Oh, that's hardcore. I, th I think there was a, actually a Glorious Chainwrecks jam that, you know, obviously not that hardcore because it's using, right. you know, an actual like PC version of RPG Maker, but yeah. uh, where they did an exquisite corpse kind of thing and everybody collaborated to, you know, a game. But that'd be really cool to just like, you know, go to your mailbox and open it up and find the, the memory card in yes. there and have it. Oh, man, that would be so cool to be part of an undertaking like that. Uh, have do, you have, do you have a PlayStation 2, Alex? I my mom has it, um, okay. and I've tried to get it back from her. And I mean, I haven't tried very hard, admittedly. Uh, <laughs> no, but, that's, uh, I'm just like this. It's one of those things that I have to keep mentioning it until I can uh, until I can start like locking it down. Because yes, I the beautiful dream of like you know you're you're at like an anime convention and someone's like. Dude, you have that RPG Maker memory card. You got that save file, dude. <laughs> and like, you're just like a oh. bunch of people bring a PS2 to conventions to like copy that version of like, which version do you have? I have like the May oh, wow. 2021 version. Uh, no, I got the September 2021 version. And it, and it can't exist online because it's on a PS2 right. memory card. And I mean, somebody probably figured out a way to do it. But yeah. the point is that that doesn't happen. And, right. And like, yeah. Oh, man. The, the tools to be able to do that are like more complicated than most people would be able to have. Yeah. I, I love right. the idea of this shared thing. Yeah. Um, and to have something that like kind of exists and that kind of like, yeah, that's yeah, more. I was inspired by, um, yeah. there's, I hope they still exist. There at least was a, like a group of people in Japan who would buy up old like Famicom RPG makers and just play the games that are on them. Oh wow! And have like little like playing parties of like let's see what like this seven year old kid <laughs> made before they yeah kind know. of like the yeah like the equivalent of like you know buying old VHS tapes you know like yes. home recorded ones and yeah seeing what's on there and I was like that's very cool and I like the idea of I love the idea of found art one of, mm -hmm. one of one of the few bots I follow on Twitter is like one that scrapes like that home movie footage from the internet archive and makes it like a little gifts out of it. Uh -huh. Cause I like that, like small, it's, it's a perfect combination of just like things that nobody cares about, <laughs> but that exist. And also life was always very mundane and <clears throat> it was not just like the fifties weren't our flattened idea of what the fifties were. Sure. But aside from all that, um, I like the idea mentioning that three to six months. So that is actually where Indie Apocalypse was born out of was me going through that exact same cycle that you have uh -huh. where I have like, here's an idea. I have to spend one to two months on it. And it's like, right. This sucks. I don't want to spend this long on it. Well, what if I sold a three month old game? Well, nobody buys <laughs> games like that. Nobody like, sure. You might have people go, wow, these freeware games are good. And I might, mm -hmm. you might become a lauded freeware game, but. I was like, well, 
what if I just make the thing that, what if I just whole cloth create that audience for shorter games? Yeah. So where you could like put out, I mean, Danger Zone Friends is a little stranger situation as it was like originally created as a birthday gift. But Yeah, I didn't expect it to. I did not set out to create something as good as it is. Yeah. But that's what I ended up with. And I was like, I guess this is what I'm going to make people play now, you know? And, and there's like kind of like a little bit of awkwardness there where like, you know, having sort of like the dedication to my partner yeah. at the start and the credits is like a little awkward for the thing I've made that's been downloaded more often than anything else. But it's also like what makes it special right. and is the whole point. And and the game just wouldn't be as good if it didn't come from that personal place, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't think the characters would feel as real. I don't think that, you know, I would have as much material to work with for the jokes, you know. Um, yeah, no. Listen, if, Alex, if you can't enjoy yourself indulgent art, why would anybody else? Sure, yeah. Right. Um, I think there's. I think a lot comes from, like, realizing that somebody enjoys what they're doing. And I think you can feel that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah, that's definitely a feeling when you can tell that the person who wrote the characters of the story, like, loved them as much as you do as the audience member. Like, that sort of feeling. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of games that I play where I don't feel any life within them. Right. It feels like somebody's making a game to make a game for, like, a game's sake. Yeah, when when they're kind when the source of inspiration is other games themselves. I, I think you like back to some of the very first games I made when I was, you know, in middle school basically, and like most of them were like shooter games where you played as a dude who shot other dudes because mm. that's what I was playing, right. and like you know they're cute, and then again like kind of going back to like that's sort of like doodle way, you know. Um, and, and there's, like, some, like, kind of, like, interesting, like, things here and there. Like, some of the old boss designs that I drew when I was a kid are, like, kind of interesting the way that kids' drawings are. But yeah. but, but they definitely feel kind of soulless because they weren't they were coming from, or at least not entirely, somewhere personal. And it's possible for them to be totally impersonal, but... Uh, but, yeah, but, but yeah. it's not like the stuff i make as an adult where it comes from yeah um, right it's it's the kid version of drawing their favorite characters so it's exactly like, yeah, yeah it looks like oh it's this is kind of like a mega man but like a bad version of it right that has like a fun a couple of cool kid drawings in it yeah yeah but yeah no exactly that's a that's that's a good but, metaphor oh, yeah, and and it's usually not like the Pokemon or Mega Man fan art that your parents put on the fridge. It's usually the stuff that's like of, you know, weird zoo animals that you saw the, that day. You know, like yeah. you know, that's the kind of stuff that speaks with other people. You know, um, right? Exactly. Yeah, it was not the the important like kind of like art that's like ah yes, this is the polished child's art that we can sell or something. You know, right. It's just like, I'm a kid. I liked Charizard, so I drew a Charizard. <laughs> yeah. But not in a way that's like, I don't know, like a, a kid art is unsurprisingly somewhat forgettable. Mm-hmm. It's because it's usually like a slightly off-model version of the official art. 
Right. Yeah. But, but uh, actually, I think I think am I doing the math right? Are we at the? Yes, we are approaching. Oh God. Yeah. Good thing I'm looking at the chat here. Um, uh, not not the Twitch chat. Nobody's sure. ever in that, but I don't talk to them. So it's it's a two way street. I like to think. Mm-hmm. Um, that they come to listen and I come to talk, and nary the twain shall meet except occasionally. Mm-hmm. But so I was looking at our Discord chat and realized, look at the timestamps of when you were saying, when we were talking during the break. I'm like, oh well, we are approaching our half. What I'm saying, Alex, is our segment is ending. Yes. But uh-huh. in a very roundabout way. When you think about it, it's that roundabout way to think of an ending question. And you know what? Mm-hmm. In fact, I did. Which is, do you remember the name of any of those games or any of the characters from your childhood games? I do. So I actually, uh, I have some. Mm. So the first ones, so like some of the earliest ones. Uh, and actually, they're on my old website still and uh my new website actually kind of there's i still have to replace um all of the links on my games page on my current website so it still links back to the old one and i have some of my earliest games there so the first games that well not the very first but the first ones i actually shared with my my friends at school and whatever was called blaster man you played as a gray astronaut with a gun you shot red astronauts with a gun (laughs) Uh, there are four of them. Um, wow. Or yes. yeah, four. I mean, each one like took like maybe like fifteen minutes to get through, but but that's a series. Um, but yeah, that was a series, and there's like sort of like, this implied story where, I mean, the first one you're just like going around killing dudes, and the second one, uh, there's a secret boss where you know there's this bad guy with green armor and a sword, and he's like. Ooh. The mastermind in the third game is kind of implied, and he's like a secret boss there too. And God, then you I... finally beat him in the fourth one, and whatever. But uh... this, I'm being honest with you, I love this. This is very like, uh-huh. <laughs> like that. It's like it's like perfect like child story logic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Has, yeah. Uh, it it has like much. all the drama it should have, you know. Yeah, but that's the kind of thing where, like, just, like, with a kid relaying a story to adults, like, nobody else would get I don't think, like, anybody else playing them would understand right. that, <laughs> right. you know. I mean, part of the most part, like, most of them would find, like, the secret. Like, every game, so each of these four Blastman games, like, after he gets to the end screen, if you click on the word at the end, it sends you to the secret boss. And so, like, most people wouldn't find that. By most people, I mean, like, the two friends I had in middle school who I like shared these with so um... well alex it was great to talk to you i'm looking forward to blast man remastered <laughs> coming back in 2022 um uh, we're gonna go to break everyone and then we'll be back with the group chat um goodbye thanks hello and welcome back to welcome back to indium everyone um <laughs> I can certainly enunciate words after doing this for 18 weeks straight. Shit. <laughs> but everyone's here. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so I guess to, to, cover, to go back and cover some of our previous bases, 
Phoebe and Adrian, hands and feet, where do you want them, which ones you don't want? Which is to say, feet for hands, hands for feet, which would you rather have? Definitely hand for feet. Yeah. Same. Are you cooking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I feel, like the, I feel like the only thing you t- truly lose out on is like you can't run really fast. But also our legs aren't built for that anyway, so we wouldn't have like the right kind of legs to do that anyway, would we? Or arms, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I'm on the computer all the time anyway. It's okay. Well, <laughs> I guess Alex, I guess uh, the interesting question to ask would be yeah. what would the advantages of foot hands be? That's what that's what I'm saying. I think there are none. Oh god. <laughs> you can run with four yeah. feet i guess if you fall over you can more easily catch yourself and then just yeah stand back up upside down and be less embarrassed i don't know you can pretend to be a furry but like a very specific subset it's like really specific yeah you can be very cool at a very specific furry convention yes <laughs> You got the one true pause, and it's like, oh, their 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 forefoot movement is so natural. Yeah, uh, Alex, I gotta ask, what thing in the game brings you joy when you see it? So I'm glad that I've had an hour and a half to think about this because it's a tough question. Okay. Uh, I presume um, you have an answer then. But yeah, um, and and the thing, you know, sort of what occurred to me is that, you know, joy is such a rare emotion to encounter in games you know games are of course like very good at providing like you know sort of like stimulation and you know um then stress and stuff like that and when i think about the games that have moments that brought bring me joy it tends to be the kind of stuff that i mean it's usually just mostly through humor i think you know i think about um like indie games, like I mean, Undertale and Butterfly Soup. I've been thinking a lot about lately. Um, uh, which you know, for people who are listening who don't know, is the visual novel about uh, Asian lesbians on a high school baseball team. Uh, oh no, which, I was like the jokes are like hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, what's uh... Undertale? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure what that game is. So, is that is that I the game? Like... Where you... Where it's, it's like, like um, Duke Duke of like... 3D sequel. Okay. Where no, hold on, that's not it. Is that is that uh, that's is that the one with like mice? With, is that the is that the name of the mouse platformer they made a couple of years ago that came out in PSVR? I think. Man, I don't know why I was talking about how much joy it brought me when I can't even remember what Undertale is anymore. <laughs> Undertale is yeah. a game about um about like people and people who live beneath ground. Okay. It's coming and, back. Uh, yeah. And they had like a huge war. Okay. Like the red ants and the black ants, like they had a huge war, and you play as a human who mm-hmm. shrinked um, themselves 
um, into ant size, and you have to contribute to the war effort, or else you die. <laughs> I love these. Beautiful. But like, as on a more serious note, how would you describe? Like, I like the idea of describing Undertale as someone who doesn't know what Undertale is. Like, if somehow you have managed to escape, like the internet. I would say it's like I don't know. One of the two good, one of the two games. I think I think Undertale and Lisa are the only games that say that capture like what Earthbound feels like. Out of like the tens of millions that like try to. Sure, I still need I still need to play Earthbound before I die. Um, it's a good video game. Yeah, me too. Especially since like people tell me that like some of my games are like kind of Earthbound, and it's like I'll take your word for it, you know. Um, yeah, and I'm sure that I've gotten that like ex- like influence secondhand. That like the stuff that I've played that influences my work is probably influenced by Earthbound. Like I yeah. can see the genealogy. Um, so I, I think honor uh, my roots. Yeah, Yumeniki is also like influenced by Earthbound, I believe. Yes, which is I... a big influence for me. I've really been meaning. That's one of those games that I'm surprised I've never played, but I've really been meaning to play. Oh, it's great! Uh, and I learned recently that it just means dream diary. Yeah. <laughs> as I was like, <laughs> as I am going further into like being able to like explore the history of Japanese games and like communicate better with the Japanese indies, and I'm just learning the language. I'm like, oh, Nikki means. Diaries. I'm betting you means dream. <laughs> and I bet that just means dream diary. And that comes to like, when do we trans? And that's something I think about actually a lot is like, when do we trans? When do we localize names? And when do we not do that? And why does it bother me sometimes? And why does it sometimes not bother me, you know? Right. How do you feel about untranslated names that have like official english titles from from any country you mean as a title of a work or yeah that like but it's still like culturally known as like whatever i mean the one that only upsets me the most is whatever attack on titan is called because people call it snk and snk is that game company so i always think they're talking about like terry bogard and they're not Mm. and it always lets me down um i think it's annoying when the like the earlier bootleg version the bootleg translations are different than the official translations okay yes yeah that's really annoying because i have to wrap my mind around it um sure yeah i think sometimes it's like better to not translate it because if you translate it it sounds kind of weird yes (laughs) yeah Yeah, no i like i enjoy things in both languages easily like i have a copy of like you know Fellini's Dolce Vita on my shelf, and I'm not going, you should be calling it the sweet life. <laughs> but, but also, it's like I watch Seventh Seal, not whatever fucking Seventh Seal is called, and like, you know, whatever its original title is. So it's like, when when do you translate things? When do you not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Why? I think once... Sorry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, you can go. Yeah, no, I, I think once you know, either the original author or the translator has decided that it's going to be, for example, Attack on Titan and not 
whatever the Japanese name is. Then, like, as soon as, like, other people refer to it as the Japanese name, it's like, okay, like, now you're just, like... At that point, it's just sort of becomes, like... I don't know, power move might be a strong word, but right. you're just kind of like, oh, when I know what it's actually called, you know, and... Yes. <laughs> the, the proper... Oh, the pro- oh, you call it Attack on Titan. Oh, you plebeian. <laughs> yes, yes. I speak in the, the Queen's English. <laughs> Whatever, yes. <laughs> I, I have, like, a vague understanding, but, like, also, like, Attack on Titan is a whole other thing. I wish I picked a better example than, like... That, right. fucking, that fucking thing <laughs> that like gets worse every week but anyway it's a mediocre show it was always a mediocre show with characters it didn't deserve mm. honestly the opening is kind of cringe <laughs> so I'm saying I, I have I have like some uh, but that's also comes to my my broader feelings about like a lot of like, I don't know, popular shonen manga, which is just like their costumes. And I guess there's also a story in those things sometimes too, but like not really, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I'm an adult and those are meant for children. And (laughs) I try to, I, I feel also, I feel like I mean, and I say that a lot that things are meant for children and I am an adult and I think you can enjoy plenty of things that are, you know, very all ages very easily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also you can enjoy both things and sometimes i feel like there were too many adults who only like children's stuff and it is uh, drives me crazy but that just might be what's popular and it's just hard to like nobody's out here talking about you know their art house cinema or whatever because who's gonna to go back to when I was talking with Adrian, who's gonna who's gonna listen if you're talking about Elizabeth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's easier to Absolutely. talk about like Marvel. So have you seen the new Marvel movie? Oh yes, the Marvel heroes, the um flying purple man. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> purple now. Flying, flying purple man is my f- my favorite flying purple man. Yes. He's. I like it when he shoots the lasers at the other flying blue man. Listen, mm-hmm. I I have complicated feelings about comic books in that. I think a lot of them are bad, but that's whatever. I. Eventually, I believe that our our current, you know, comic book movie television landscape will eventually reach where co- like written comic books are, is where interesting creators will get to make cool shows about Z-listers nobody cares about. <laughs> and then the current big marquee titles will continue to truck along as they do. But whatever. Let's indie person, indie game podcast, radio show, shitting on most popular <laughs> <laughs> movies in the world. Nobody uh-huh. needs that. <laughs> but let's just put that aside. Um, I had... Actually, I should check. I should refresh to see if we have questions. We do not. We have zero questions. Does anyone have any questions for anyone else in the in the group? No. Good. Perfect. Um, <laughs> you did not need one. 
as no one else it's impossible to know when like when we receive questions and like who is like very like got a real question driven audience you know mm-hmm. sometimes i think ah oh, look at this uh, look at this this cast this cast is a stacked cast i'm gonna get so many questions and then we get zero and then sometimes you get like four, 15 and i'm like I don't know what guides it. I guess it's like cultural differences of the guests, like who has like a more like Twitch guest audience or something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. So are the followings of each person or yeah. So on and so forth. Like my, like what was truly the most celeb stacked show had literally zero questions. And I was like, I don't understand anything anymore. Huh. As much as like you can stack a show with celebs and you know, how much that matters but mm-hmm. i don't believe in celebrities so mm-hmm. anyway Sometimes i feel like oh no no oh. go go that was, that was that was me like giving myself a word to buy more time <laughs> sometimes i feel like uh, i should join more communities with yeah. like uh, maybe heo or something and contribute to like you know these game designs more right yeah yeah but sometimes it's just like i'm scared (laughs) yes you know i i i have my own discord and i in the apocalypse.com slash discord um (laughs) and i barely contribute to it i like i answer questions when asked sometimes but i'm not like out here hey guys so let's start a conversation about who played Genshin Impact. Oh God! <laughs> what do you think about it? And let's get the conversation rolling. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to do that. I. I, I don't. Right. I. I feel bad because I saw there was an indie, in presumably a fairly indie studio, who put out a video, and it was like a minute and a half of like people saying what were buzzwords they did not feel like they were humans talking and i guess like i don't know if that's a space i'm just afraid that that is a space you know (laughs) i don't want to go into that right yeah no i i think we're safe yeah yeah um i so i'm like much like that much like with building a market for myself i'll just build the space for myself then like i'll find people i'll just pick the people i think have the right vibes and just invite them on this show and just talk with them and then eventually one day we can all go to conventions and be like hey remember a year and a half ago when you started this thing and now i I, I just want to go to conventions i think all those covers would be very cool to show off at a table yeah and have like print versions of yeah zine out and yeah oh that'd be great that was like my initial idea was like how do you demo 150 games you don't you just give them a Uh magazine and tell them to flip through it Mm -hmm. that's kind of funny so the the showcase group that like we do so you know when i was talking before about my friend Stephen and i uh so the two of us and later our friend uh, John T. Moore joined us. Um, you know, we form, we basically like would showcase at 
and hopefully will again someday, you know, once everybody's vaccinated, you know, at local conventions and festivals and stuff in the mid-Atlantic, um, you know, in Baltimore and Philly and around there. And um, yeah, and I think like the most, the most we would cram onto our little like launcher program, we'd make at our tables, like 15 games. And yeah. like, I think once we, I think we figured out, like once we exceeded that, that was like too many games to have demo goal at yeah. the table. But, uh, um, and honestly, 15 might be a bit much. I think 12 really is the sweet spot, but, right. uh, but, but we, we have a, we have a concrete answer to that question. How many games is too many to demo? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there is, yeah, I, so in the local in the local Boston scene, shout out to Chris Mayer, who like does a lot of good stuff with like Boston Indies and that sort of thing. He originally, you know, while talking, when we talk about convention, like physical space, at this point, everybody knows pre-COVID. We don't need to say it anymore, I think. I think as a <laughs> culture, we are past that. Um, but he would like go to like, not even like game shows, like just places where you would sell people would sell art and he would sell games. Like he would put like steam codes on the back of floppy disks mm-hmm. and just like, here's a bunch of local games and like sell them. And I think more people should do that. I think you should, you know, support your local scene mm-hmm. best you can. Yeah. At our, at our table, we would also distribute like discs of that had like, you know, the 15 games are showcased and then some more that we made. And yeah, when I had some surplus discs, I would try to drop them off at like, you know, you know, coffee shop tables, like where people lay their business cards, you know, I, you know, if applicable, but it's kind of hard to find, you know, institutions where, right, you know, no, there's but a I mean, horizontal space where I'm allowed to just drop a CD off. Um, but yeah. I, that's definitely like such a, like a thing that you should do, you know, get outside of game spaces and like get games outside of game spaces. Yeah. Cause I'm sure plenty of those games on that disc, people would be like, Oh, I don't like video games. And then you're like, well, try try this disc. And they'd be like, Oh, I thought video games were all Fortnite. <laughs> Turns out there are other things too. It's also Minecraft. Yeah. Yes. They're also Minecraft. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of room for people to just like grow the game scene outside of the game scene, which is, what I'm trying to do with yeah. non-game artists for covers and secret projects. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where just because it's so rare to explore games outside of the pre-created community spaces that like, it's kind of hard to imagine that. And as right. soon as you, actually explore out there it's like then you get all of your engagement you know and, and yeah. you know and you know returning to like the topic of showcasing you know that's you know after having for years like released games online and it's like not getting a whole lot of hits you know it's just like kind of wild it's like i can just apply to these small conventions and they'll just accept us yeah. and we get like hundreds of people just like playing our stuff and right. they're into it. it's like what the hell you know um and I, I sort of like fantasize, like I feel this idea of like whenever I release a game, like you know, printing, you know, an ad out and like you know, putting it on a, um, you know, a you know, light pole, um, yes. the same way people do for like you know, concerts and uh, local shows and everything. It's like, like why not? But it's like, 
wouldn't that be like kind of weird? Because like nobody does that. And so like I've never done it because it seems like because like nobody does that. But that's kind of the point, you know. Right. Um, the pull tab is just a QR code for this for the itch page. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's listen. There's no nothing. Nothing is stopping you, Alex. <laughs> right. Um, like when you do these showcases, would you do them at like game conventions or like? convention that had game stuff where we just do them like literally anywhere like it any- was a it was a mixture so we started at um and uh, adrian might be familiar I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with artscape um if you're um, staying in baltimore over the summer um but uh i've heard about it but i never been ah uh, it's Artscape is great. Um, so it's a big free arts festival that's in Baltimore every summer. Um, and uh, it advertises itself as the largest free arts festival on, like, in either in the US or in the Eastern US. I'm not sure. And who knows if that's actually true or not. But, you know, but, you know, um, and they have, like, a small games exhibition, and that's how you know, we got the idea to start showcasing. It's like, oh, we should just, you know, do that. And so, um, so, so we started at Artscape and it was really cool. We've, so like, you know, that was usually be like our main event. It's like three days long. And, you know, a lot of the local like Maryland devs would like show up every year. It's like, ah, hey, it's Greg, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it is really cool to, you know, because Baltimore otherwise like didn't have a whole lot of, like a standalone local game scene. Philly does, um, which is one of the cool things about being here. Um, that's a different topic. Uh, but um, uh, so, yeah, so we do that. And then there was a nerd convention in like Northern Maryland at Cecil College. That was like a one day thing. That was just like this community college just throwing its own little con and uh that was like a small event that we would go to um one time we just showcased by ourselves at a meadworks in baltimore uh charm city meadworks um and almost nobody showed up to that but it was still just like really chill and it was like a really interesting space like you yeah. know we put our laptops on like they had like barrels that were out <laughs> and you know um that was cool uh in Philly, there's probably our favorite event is, um, or one of our favorites. I, I think Artscape's my, you know, favorite. But like second is um, this uh, um, in Philly in this uh, printer printing space. Um, we sort of it's a sort of just like a evening showcase where like you show up around five and it goes until midnight or whatever, and it's just. You know, I was crammed as a party. It's the kind of environment I normally wouldn't like, but right. um, but it's uh, but but the vibe's very good, and it's kind of like different from the typical like nerd culture you get at these kind of things. I think it's sort of the general trends that the best the best events are those which aren't explicitly gamer events. Like right. Artscape's great because it's a general arts festival. Um, you know, the thing we do in Philly. Uh, is just like you know a bit like hipper than typical uh probably our hmm, probably i probably shouldn't like bad mouth specific event on air but there's there's like one convention that's basically like you know sort of like a nerd convention right. for children yes 
And that was kind of weird where at every other event we've done, you know, people of all ages would play our games. But as soon as it's a kid's convention, you know, we would have like a very similar lineup, but like the adults would stand back and only little kids would like come up and play our stuff. And it's like, you know, you want to like come and try this too? It's like, oh, no, no, we're, we're good. You know, we don't it's play like, video ah. games. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, bullshit. I know you do. Um, yeah. But uh I... I, but yeah, that, that that was just weird. Yeah, I have I have I often dread, dread having like nothing against children, but sometimes <laughs> I make abstract games, and uh-huh. kids can have fun with them. But it's like they don't get the point. They're just having fun because the person's moving across the screen. I'm like, good for you, kid, I guess. But yeah. you also you don't have any money. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's right. a. Uh, like a, there was a flea market in Cambridge that like, mm. it was like 40 bucks to attend and you could easily break even. I, f- I feel like with like indie podcasts, I could more than break even at this point. Sure. But it's like, that's my ideal kind of show. Cause it's like, no, it's like an art thing where people are just like selling arts and crafts and that kind of thing. Or like clothes. It's super cheap. It's mm-hmm. one day. And you get cash, which is people need to realize you need to make money to live. Cool. Um, like sometimes they'll just got like one like really precocious kid who like be yeah. at your booth for an hour, and they're like really just like breaking all the systems down and whatever yeah. game, and you know, and are really getting deep into it, are really trying to understand it. Um, I had and... that in in TCAF at Toronto. And there was like mm-hmm. one kid who's like, yes, she was like, she was like very understood what was going on. She's like, yeah, I like this. It's very cool and asking questions. That's also like a yeah. very different vibe. Cause like, even, right. as a, even as a comic show, it's not like a, co- it's not a comic con. It's like an indie comic show. Mm-hmm. So you, you also, and like, you also get a very different vibe. But. Right. Yeah. And usually if, if a venue is bringing like, you know, the kind of adult audience you want them, the kids are bringing with them are also the kind of child audience that you want, you know? Um, Like, I admire you guys to be able to, like, go out there and, like, to do this, like, for so long and all that. I think it's very cool. I just want to say that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I think it's very cool to, like, to be able to go to conventions and give people... The opportunity to like kind of communicate with each other build like uh, mm-hmm. communities or not i don't know i don't know what i'm saying but it's cool oh, yeah yeah i mean like part yeah. of this was like the benefit of indie apocalypse is that all the developers come with me to every convention basically you know uh-huh. <laughs> i'm bringing all these yeah. games around no it's it's the kind of thing where until you've started like for example my case showcasing like yeah. it seems like it's sort of like impossible insurmountable thing it's like right. oh that's something that other people do and then you just start applying and you just people just like start accepting you because like like generally unless it's like a really large convention like magfest is i think like one of the few conventions we've actually you know gotten rejected from right. uh, just and yeah there's a whole story there but um well, good luck, but, to, uh, good luck on MAGFest. <laughs> you outlive them. Or did they come back? back? I can't remember. Or, I don't know. Or, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, but it was the kind of thing where it's like, 
and then you know once they start doing it it's just like oh like i guess we are yeah like it's hard to imagine being welcome in a space like that until right. you do it and then you kind of figure out you fit in so yeah so i mean yeah i mean if yeah that sounds cool to you like like apply just like you know um yeah like but, showcase yeah. the yeah. Very much like look at your local scenes and like a lot of anime conventions have like game sections now mm-hmm. or like comic conventions or they're the same, both of the same thing sometimes. Yeah. Like, like you said, I guess they're just like nerd conventions where nerd stuff happens. Where I can go get a, sign- a signed photo of somebody who is in five episodes of Supernatural. <laughs> but... And this sh- this show is very much that our, our nerd convention's over, and now we're just hanging out after a long day of talking to people about games. Mm-hmm. And I miss those hangouts. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I miss those opportunities to meet people for one night, and then because I, of the aforementioned like to keep to myself, I just never talk to them again. But anyway, anyway, we're cresting. We're getting close to that three-hour mark. Hey. So, everyone, is there? I will. Anyone, does anyone have any any final non-plug statement? Any any last things to get out? Um. Don't go to art school. Don't, maybe don't go to school. Uh, maybe don't. Uh, go don't to go school. to grad school. I can tell you that now. Um, yeah, uh, don't do grad school. Don't do art school. Uh, um, if you if if you go to school, get it. What you my advice would be: go to school, get a degree in like some kind of arts or science. Get like a bachelor's in like economics or something, and then to go. Eh, I don't want to use this, and instead just make an indie game zine. <laughs> but if you do go to school t- this is my advice to everyone going to school take club tests it cuts out so much money my god so much money <laughs> like it saves you an astronomical amount of money like a whole year's worth and like if you're going to expensive school that can be like what hundreds of thousands of dollars or something I don't know what expensive schools cost but I feel like it's a lot of money like a uh... Right order of magnitude, yeah. Ten thousand, yeah, like yeah. a year or something. Yeah, that's like you're saving yourself like you're even if you have to take them twice, you're saving yourself like nine nine, you know, like nine thousand nine hundred and ninety dollars or something. You're or saving yourself nine thousand eight hundred dollars by just taking what are basically English one on one classes in like a day instead of a semester. That's Andrew's money-saving tip for you. <laughs> um, but anyway, and then use the use the money you save to buy Indie Apocalypse. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Give all your money to me, because <laughs> I don't know. Actually, actually, I realize I may get money back, like a lot more money back than I was expecting from taxes, because I spent because I basically I, I spent a lot of money and did not make that money back. I say a lot, but like that's a lot to me. Not like actually a lot of money. You can very easily do the math to see how much money I spent. But um, 
it's like six thousand, seven thousand dollars or something, which in the grand scheme of people who have money is not very much money. But to me it feels like, huh, huh. <laughs> so much money. Anyway. But um pay off your debts. The only reason we, I, I realized this months ago on a different show, the only reason I'm able to do this is because I spent years and years paying off all my debts <laughs> and not buying much hey. else stuff. But plugs. Let's talk about plugs. Wow. Enough fiscal responsibility. Alex, let's start with you. Alex, what plugs have you got? Uh, okay. So um, as a grad student, I am working very, very slowly on games uh i'm kind of at the, i'm at the stage where i'm very i'm lucky if i have like an hour or two to work on something in a one to two week period sure um, games that still existed are also still good uh yeah well there's that too um so i am yeah i am still working on a danger zone friends sequel um so that will that will exist someday um you know uh i was like have like an hour and a half worth of content in there right now. And it, it, it is yeah very cool. Um, and let's see other stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, uh, yeah. Data Zone friends is very good. Um, uh, and I also made a single player trading card game last year, uh, called card games versus literary characters at the end of the world that you can also, if you want the physical cards, you can buy them from, the grain crafter but uh but you know only if you like the video game version and um, where might one find all these these creations oh that's a great question andrew <laughs> um you can find them at uh org. it's pronounced alexandra but you know it's uh yeah i, I gotta spell yes. it correctly and, right. you can, and you can also find my itch page it's i'm out chickens on itch um and yeah well perfect um adrian what have you got to plug well um i don't know if you like my work and whatnot you can find me in the woods and i will give you a small gift okay of a drawing that you like or something okay so um and does that does apply to any forest or do you have to be like appalachia uh, any forest, really. Okay. Just call my name 50 times, and I will teleport in front of your eyes. And uh, if you got an interesting project that you'd like some artwork, feel free to like contact me. Uh, that's it. Perfect. Now, and how would people contact you if they, if they were afraid of the woods? <laughs> if they were scared oh, of the questions. Well, they can go into the ocean and call my name three times. Okay. Because they have less time to breathe underwater. That makes sense. Yes. I'm very considerate that way. Well, thank you, Agent. Now, Phoebe, what have you got to plug? Uh, I can't believe Adrian doesn't have me use that because aren't we a team together? Like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I forgot. <laughs> Anyways, I was going to say that... Um. Definitely, I would do something. I would. I think Black Lavender will come up with uh, more content in the future. A dating scene. Because scene. we find working with each other very, um, very 
very peaceful. <laughs> unlike unlike any other people that we worked with before, we work when we work with each other, we never really fight. So I think I guess we're a good team together. So that yeah, perfect. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Phoebe, for picking up the slack when I let Adrian just fuck around. <laughs> um, and that would be blacklavender.itch.io would be a place to look for that kind of thing. Yes. Perfect. Do you have any other pages on other websites or is it just that? I think that's our only page, right? Perfect. Yeah. Listen, yep. you, only, you only need one page. Let's bring back websites. Um uh right me okay um indiepocalypse.com go to it buy indiepocalypse if you buy issues 8 and 14 did i get i, I know 14 is right no 13 to, oh 13 to 14 <laughs> you're very close to each other um if you buy that enough of them then i can pay these people some more money but if you don't then i can't and I like to think it's nice to get that five dollar and like seventy four cent royalty check in the PayPal mail. It's definitely fun to deliver. But if you have games you'd like, submit your game to indiepocalypse.com slash submit if you like it and don't want to think about buying it every month, you can just subscribe on Patreon. Indiepocalypse.com slash Patreon. You can get this show the Monday after it launches. Otherwise, you got to wait like a month to get the archive version, or you get fresh delivered copies of Indiepocalypse every month. Or you can just say you like the project, and but all the money goes to whatever. Whenever you get charged for a month, it goes to that month's issue, whether you buy the issue or not. Help get the people to that break-even point, because then they make even more money, and I make less because it means I've got all my money back, and I feel good. And I'm like, ah, who cares about it at this point? It's passive income, baby. Um, I think I have other stuff. Uh, I, there's IndiePockets.com slash zine to submit stuff for the zine. I'm still, I've got exciting stuff coming into the zine portion of it that I'm working on. People I'm talking to, I'm recalibrating or reimagining what that thing is because... I need to make new projects or else I get restless. And who knows how long it will take me to make my Garth Marenghi ZX Spectrum game. Um, I think that's it. I think I got all my, my plugs, my things I need to say. Bye, the zine. Thank you. Uh, we're going to go now, everyone. Phoebe, Adrian, Alex, I'm glad to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Good to talk to you. Good to meet you. Good to meet you, too. Thanks, Thanks for having yeah. us on. Thank yeah. you. Yay. Uh, <laughs> wait, where's my... Oh, there it is. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.